On behalf of the Mayflower Church family and staff, I welcome you, each of you, wherever you might be this morning, to this joyous celebration of Easter, of resurrection, of the promise and the reality that life is, by God's grace, stronger than death. You might be joining us this morning on a laptop in California, an iPhone in Boston, a TV from our international friends in England and around the world, and here in Michigan. We welcome you if you are this morning with family, and especially if your family is somewhere else this morning, know that this is your church family. For by the Spirit we are sisters and brothers in Christ, we are one. We hope you've been able to connect with Mayflower members and friends during the week through our main Facebook page, which offers, for example, a lovely concert on Mondays, Mondays at Mayflower by our own Dr. Julia Brown. You'll also find Facebook pages with content for our youth and our families, contributed by staff members. And know your pastors have been slowly reaching out to every member and friend of our congregation inquiring if they might be able to help someone in need or are themselves in need of assistance. You'll find a help button on our main page of our website if you'd like to get in touch with us. If you receive our Friday email, I invite you to locate our worship bulletin or to visit our homepage on our website to see it and perhaps to download it and to follow along with our order of service, to sing when you can, to read along with scripture passages as you can, and when we pray with one voice, to pray together, indeed, as the body of Christ. So now let us prepare our heart, our soul, our mind to come before that which is holy in our world, that which sustains us by grace the one who surrounds us with steadfast love as we walk the valleys and the hills of life, experiencing both sorrow and joy. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. 
Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to God's commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. I invite you to join your voice with mine in a congregational response to our Easter proclamation printed in your worship bulletin. And let us say together with one voice, let us proclaim with the women at the tomb, we have seen the risen Lord. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.
custom is to follow the ancient Christian tradition of standing for the reading of the gospel on Easter morning. So I invite you, if you are able, to please stand. Our first reading is from Luke 24, verses 5 through 8, a portion of our Easter proclamation. Hear now the word of God. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men in clothes that gleamed like lightning said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered from the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his word. We now turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 21 to 22, where we are reminded what Jesus said, the words that the women remembered. And Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders 
and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. popular 
science writer once noted how nearly 14 billion years ago, all the space and all the matter and all the energy of the known universe was contained in a volume less than one trillionth the size of the period that ends a sentence. That infinitesimal point is called by scientists a singularity, and then it dramatically expanded into what we now call the Big Bang. That part most of us have heard about, but what I've learned over the past few years is during that first second after the Big Bang, scientists have discovered that both matter and, and, and what is called antimatter were formed. Now, most of us understand matter. It's the iPad, it's the iPhone, the TV through which we might be streaming this morning. It's the Michigan cup that holds your coffee. It's the smell of butter in a sizzling frying pan. It is the touch of a loved one at the end of the night. But did you know in the first second after the Big Bang, for every particle, an antimatter particle was formed. For every particle of matter, there was its twin with an opposite electrical charge. And here's the thing. When they touch that, that matter particle and that antimatter particle, they immediately annihilate each other. They produce a flash of energy, a photon, what we think of as light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, reads the first chapter of Genesis. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and God said, let there be light. Could what Genesis is describing be akin to that moment when matter and antimatter exploded in this, this cosmic fireworks display. But the thing is, scientists point out, mathematically, you'd expect an emerging universe to create the same number of matter and antimatter particles. That's how the law of physics works. But if an equal number of matter and antimatter particles emerge from that singularity, and then they immediately destroyed each other. How could there be any matter left? The matter that makes me, the, the matter that makes you, that makes your older brother in Kansas City, that large oak tree out on your lawn or the coffee cup you're holding right now in your right hand. Why, in other words... If an equal number of matter and antimatter particles were created and then set about destroying each other, is there something in our universe rather than nothing at all? This morning we conclude a journey we began six Sundays ago where we have followed Jesus to Jerusalem, a journey where we have reflected on specific moments on Jesus' journey. Moments that have historically been called stations. This morning we arrive at our, our last station, the station of resurrection. How we got there to this last station is we began on Palm Sunday by following Jesus down from the Mount of Olives to cheers. But we considered how there is, yes, that, that award and there is that acclaim. But often there is right after that the assignment Jesus' holy assignment was to kick the money changers out of the temple to speak truth to power, to proclaim the kingdom of God was 
at odds with kingdoms that humans attempt to build, and God's word then disrupted everything. Matter and antimatter particles, we might say, were meeting, and they were annihilating each other all over the place to the extent on Friday night we stood beneath the cross and heard Jesus in unspeakable pain ask, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he breathed his last breath. This morning during our Easter proclamation, we were reminded how Joseph of Arimathea took down Jesus' body and placed it in a tomb cut in a rock. The women who had watched Jesus die were there, but but then they went home. They returned the next day to find the stone in front of the tomb rolled away and no body in that tomb. Two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember what he told you while he was still with you. The Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then the women remembered those words, for indeed, back in Luke chapter 9, Jesus had said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Which brings us back to the fascinating question, why is there something in our universe rather than than nothing at all? Apparently in that first second between God saying, let there be light, and later saying, let ground appear, something extraordinary happened. Our best calculations are for every billion of antimatter particles that emerge from that singularity. One billion and one matter particles emerge. Meaning the creation of the universe was at first asymmetrical, so to speak. And from that razor thin margin, that plus one between antimatter and matter, matter particles, they, they, they survived and they eventually found each other and combined to form galaxies and stars and, and that oak out on your front lawn and your cup of coffee. Stephen Hawking once observed how our universe and its laws appear to have a design that is tailor-made to support us and leaves little room for alteration. That is not easily explained and raises the natural question of why it is that way. Why, in other words, is there a plus one in the universe, plus one billion Particles of matter. Owen Gingrich, professor emeritus of astronomy and history of science at Harvard University, has an answer. He writes, I believe our physical universe is somehow wrapped within a broader and deeper spiritual universe. Do you think that's true? That there is a physical universe of, of matter and antimatter, a universe made up of 200 billion swirling galaxies and exploding stars, but also the, the robin singing on a tree branch outside your kitchen window, uh, yellow daffodils pushing up 
their way through the dirt, the the giggle of a three-year-old grandchild. But there is also something else out there, suggests Professor Gingrich, that which is divine, what poet Gerald Manley Hopkins once called God's dappled thing. Thinking about those two universes this week, the physical and the spiritual, made me wonder how that might work, what that might mean for us on this Easter. And so in my office, I began to doodle and I began to draw lines. I thought one way to think of the physical and the spiritual universe is they are metaphorically parallel, meaning they they coexist, but they don't touch or connect. I suspect many people have come to that conclusion. Yes, yes, God might exist. There might be something divine in the universe, but, but it doesn't affect me. It doesn't touch me. Those two universes might exist, but they run parallel, and they don't really connect at all. Then I drew two lines that, that intersect, that, that cross. And I thought, I suspect some people believe, yes, there is a physical universe and a spiritual universe. Sure, they connected at one time. They crossed a long time ago, maybe when our universe was created. But since then, as wars have come and gone, suffering and illness and misery have come and gone, it's hard to imagine those two lines, the, the physical and the spiritual, could ever really cross again. As COVID-19 emerged and has engulfed our world, we have all attempted to gather information from different sources. The source I have turned to are are updates to staff and faculty written by Dr. Craig Smith, chair of the Department of Surgery at New York Presbyterian Hospital. A few days ago, he wrote this. Dear colleagues, we yearn to find our invincible spring, but we are hurtling into weeks predicted to be our worst. This is our Gettysburg, our Iwo Jima. Epidemiologically, we need to reach the point at which deaths and and recoveries exceed new cases, the, the bent to broken curve. But the steadily positive slope we've been watching for the past month is grinding and it is relentless, writes Dr. Smith. Scanning the daily statistics of our hospital system, I can squint, I can angulate the page and see the the hint of a suggestion that the new case curve has flattened slightly over the past few days. And how are we performing on that curve? Mortality is 2.9% in the state of New York, derived from incidents and death data. But heroic efforts I witness every day are second to none. Many more lives are being saved than lost. Reading Dr. Smith's harrowing words and, and, and his hope and this prayer that the curve might become bent to broken And as you might have read, how Easter today is for many communities the the apex of the curve. I wondered if there was another way to understand the physical and the spiritual universe and how they relate to each other. Beyond being parallel, belong 
having intersected a long time ago. And then I remember that strange thing, an image called the Mobius Strip. Do you remember it? You, you see it in scarves that women wear and they twist and appears to create this infinite loop. More commonly, you'll see it in the image used to designate recycling. It's created in 1858 by August Mobius, an astronomer, mathematician, who's actually a descendant of Martin Luther. As David Gunderman notes in the Smithsonian, ever since it has fascinated environmentalists, artists, engineers. Anyone can create a Mobius strip by taking a piece of paper and giving it a half twist, taping the ends back together to form a loop. And if you take a pencil and draw a line along the center of the strip, you'll see that it apparently runs on both sides of the loop. The Mobius strip has more than just one surprising property, adds Gunderman. Try taking a, a pair of scissors and cutting the strip in half along the line that you just drew. You'll be astonished to find you are left not with two smaller one-sided Mobius strips, but with one long two-sided loop. So I wondered this week, could that perhaps describe how the physical and the spiritual universe interact? That they flow together in this holy and infinite loop, seemingly on the same side, yet at the same time not on the same side, divisible by the thinnest margins, yet at the same time indivisible. And then I thought, could this also be a way to understand how, how death and life, how matter and antimatter and spirit and how both universes created by our creator are, are intertwined and how they flow one into the other from the, from the very dawn of creation to now and to evermore. And I thought, perhaps that's why Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen back in chapter 9 of Luke's Gospel. As he said, I must be killed and on the third day be raised to new life. In other words, I wonder if Jesus must have known somehow of this loop, this infinite and singular strip of the physical and the spiritual universe. And that his assignment was to reveal in the most vivid manner possible that, that we do and we will always live in a plus one universe where matter exceeds antimatter, where the bent to broken curve does bend, and one where angels dressed in clothes like lightning appear and say, he is not dead. He is risen. So may we all on this glorious Easter morning come to trust once again what has unfolded in Jesus' life can unfold in ours. That our own Mobius strip, where we live our lives and where the physical and the spiritual meet and they flow together and are indivisible, 
in that divine calculus of life, of our lives, it is always, thanks be to God, plus one. In the name of the Creator, the Sustainer, and the Redeemer, Amen. This Easter celebration is a new hymn written just last week by Carolyn Winfrey Gillette. She is a Presbyterian pastor serving a small church in the Finger Lakes region of New York State. Just a couple weeks ago, she wrote a hymn that closed our Monday Thursday service. And today, we sing her new hymn for Easter. It includes worship realities now familiar to people of faith. Empty sanctuaries, choirs silenced, People worshiping alone or in small groups, staring at their phones, tablets, or computers. Just in this one week, the hymn has already been translated to Cantonese, French, German, Mandarin, Norwegian, Rwandan, Spanish, Swedish, Taiwanese, reaching people all over the globe. This Easter celebration was written and acknowledges the Easter will not be like those that we are used to celebrating. It includes references to individual isolation early on in the text and later the impact of coronavirus in the sentence in all the grief and suffering. This hymn reminds us to focus on Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, and most importantly, to respond by continuing to serve in these challenging times. Every month, Mayflower leans upon the generosity of members and friends to fund our budget with approximately $100,000 of support. That means roughly every Sunday, members and Friends give about $25,000 through plate offerings, checks, credit cards, and giving online. All of this results in a yearly budget of a little over a million dollars, one where we give away 15% to assist our community and our country and our world. These, of course, are extraordinarily challenging times for us all, for businesses and institutions like ours. Your moderator, your vice moderator, and treasurer, are working on adopting a streamlined budget to sustain our mission and ministry in the months ahead. Please know you can give online at our homepage on our website. You'll find a donate button. We also have a special mailbox under the portico where you can drop off an envelope if you wish. To worship is to be reminded once again from whom all blessings do flow. And while our ushers might not wait upon us physically this morning, your church does ask for your support to continue to serve our membership, friends, and community in the name of Jesus Christ.
invite you to join your hearts together with mine in prayer, and let us pray. O gracious God, on this most holiest of mornings, on this Sabbath day, we pray that you would accept what we offer to you, our tithes, our gifts, And so we pray that you might bless and you might transform this, our treasure, a treasure we have been given by you, so that new life might be ours and new life might appear once again in our world. For it is in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Prayers this morning are adapted from those offered by Rabbi Naomi Levy and Bishop Michael Curry. I invite you to join your hearts together with mine. Let us pray. O Lord, we admit, we confess. We notice that this Easter feels and it looks different. There are no lilies on the chancel steps and surrounding our sanctuary walls. There are no children dressed in new clothes. We don't hear the cooing of babies next to grandparents sitting in our pews. But if we pause and think about it, O Lord, a few thousand years ago, it didn't look like what we think Easter should look like either. There were no lilies, no bunnies, no new clothes in Jerusalem that day. Only grief and anxiety that perhaps it wasn't true what your son had said and taught that maybe violence would win at the end of the day over peace, hate over love, and death over life. But then suddenly, it was true. As sudden as the dawn and crackle and explosion of creation, as sudden as Jesus' first sharp breath of life in that tomb in the rock, And so we pray our gratitude 
We offer our thanksgiving to you, our creator, that matter, life, once again prevailed. So help us to trust in these conflicted and complicated times in the eternal promise and truth of resurrection for ourselves, for those we know, for our community, our country, and our world. O oh Lord, hear our silent prayer. Gracious God, on this sacred morning, although we are divided in space, we are united in voice and soul and spirit, so we pray that you would heal those who are stricken with illness in every hospital bed and in every home around the planet. And give us, we pray, wisdom to sacrifice our freedom of movement for the sake of another life. And fill, we pray, doctors and nurses and all those who stand in harm's way with the full capability of their healing arts. Watch over them, O Lord. And enlighten, we pray, all scientists across the world with insight and discoveries that will lead to effective treatments and someday soon a cure. And shelter alongside us, O Lord, we pray. For we long this morning for your presence. For although today in many ways doesn't physically look like Easter, help us to remember and to trust, although our places of worship are empty, from empty places, life can suddenly emerge. New life can appear. So hear now our silent prayers of wonder, petition, and praise.
Now I invite you to join your voice with mine as together, joined by the Spirit, we unite in offering the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. And let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. wonder if Jesus must have known of this loop, this infinite and singular strip of the physical and the spiritual universe. That his assignment was to reveal in the most vivid way possible that we do and we will always live in a plus one universe where matter exceeds antimatter, where the bent to broken curve does bend. And one where angels dressed in clothes like lightning do appear and they say he is risen. So may we all on this glorious Easter morning come to trust once again what has unfolded in Jesus' life can unfold in ours. That on our own Mobius strip where the physical and the spiritual meet flow together and are indivisible in that divine calculus of life 
of our lives. It is always, thanks be to God, plus one. And now as you go out into this Easter morning, know the steadfast love of God surrounds you. The peace of Christ attends to you. And the Spirit will guide you this day and forevermore. Amen.